Hey, we're back. Uh, a couple updates to this episode because it was actually recorded in late February 2021. We are all fully vaccinated now, and we did not hit our targets for March or April, but we are uh, still going to hit them moving forward. So enjoy the episode. <laughs> Welcome to episode 70 of Major Revisions, after a little bit of a break. John, Grace, how are y'all doing? Doing all right, all things considered. Yeah, about as well as can be expected. It's been nine months and I still don't have a good response to that question. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No kidding. Like, everything feels terrible. But my life really doesn't suck as much as it could, so I'm all right. Yeah, it's it's it just keeps going. I don't know when the actual anniversary of the pandemic beginning is. Is it March like 18? There's like a Friday sometime last March when everything here in Virginia well, shut down. Here it was Friday the 13th, March 13th. Yeah. Yeah, I think that sounds right. I'm gonna go with that. So I don't know what day we are are on. So I'm, I'm still, according to the New York Times thing, I think 310 millionth in line for a vaccine. So I don't know where you guys are along with that. So I assume probably somewhere similar. I, I think so. Um, although, I, who knows, right? I, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> I, I am happy to bring up the back of the line. I want it. Like, it's not if I'm going to get the vaccine. It's which arm do they give it to me in. But I do not need to be a top priority. I, I just saw a headline, and granted, I didn't read this article, um, so this is like maybe spreading fake news. But some rich couple in Canada flew to the Yukon Territory and like stole some vaccines from like tribal mm-hmm. elders. I saw that as well. I mean, I believe rich people would what? do shit like that. Oh hell yeah, they would. It's just what a time to be alive, man. No kidding. So. But hey, funny pandemic stories. Grace, how many fingers do you have now? Um, <laughs> like 9.75. <laughs> um, okay. So elaborate, yeah, well, please. So this fall, um, so of course we're, we're now all in this world where we're at home most of the time for most of us and um, we're you know doing Zoom calls back to back to back. Well, um, we have been going through, we being my family, going through a bit of a life change and a transition. So um, we were selling our house and buying a house in Madison, Wisconsin, um, because I just started at the University of Wisconsin-Madison at the Center for Limnology. Um, maybe we we'll get to life changes later. But 
Back to the story. So it's pertinent <laughs> to that because um, we were all of a sudden we had found a house that we really wanted to potentially look at. The Madison housing market is insanely tight. And so we were all going to drop everything that we were doing, head out to Madison from Ames, Iowa and look at this house. We were going to be staying with my in-laws and I can't show up empty handed. That's just rude. Like in an emergency, we're bringing Robert and I in the entire pet menagerie and just showing up at their door. Right. And so in between Zoom meetings, I had 25 minutes after getting off a call with John and before I started a call with an undergraduate. And um, I ran inside and I was going to start a coffee cake. So it was going to bake while I was talking to the undergraduate. We would, It would come out of the oven. We'd get on the road. So I was running around like crazy in my kitchen and I had to um, cut up the butter because I had forgotten to get it out of the oven or out of the fridge to have it soften. And so um, I didn't have a clean butter knife. So I just grabbed a serrated knife off the kitchen counter. And I was also walking around to different parts of my kitchen at the same time while trying to cut up this butter pat into one, um, you know, sort of like one tablespoon chunk so that it would soften faster. And in the midst of doing that, there was a bit of resistance because it was cold and I ended up slicing off, filleting off the side of my finger just out of Ooh. nowhere in one fell swoop. So Ooh. kids use a butter knife. Um, but of course, Tater, who loves all human food, is always there with you in the kitchen when you're cooking, right? Because there might be the opportunity for him if something were to fall off the countertop and onto the ground for him to eat it. And um, that is, in fact, exactly what happened. And so my chunk of finger fell off the counter and Tater immediately ate it. And long story short, I now live with Cujo and he has the taste of human flesh. (laughs) So when we arrived at the emergency room, because it would not stop bleeding. If you've ever cut your finger or had a serious injury, you know that fingers just do not stop bleeding, right? So I had to get the bleeding to stop, and they asked if they could reattach it. And that was a really interesting story to explain to the ER dog. <laughs> the chunk of my finger was in my dog's stomach. Oh, God. <laughs> Anyways, long story short, we ended up putting in an offer on a house when I had a lot of pain medication. And <laughs> that's how that story Was ends. it like the... Like the end of the finger or like the, the side? side? It was really a filleting more than a chopping. Ooh. Yeah. So anyways, it's never a good time to injure part of your hand. But when your entire job is being on your computer and typing in things, it made it pretty difficult. So I, I did end up having to cancel a class on the following Monday. This was a Friday because I couldn't make their PowerPoint presentation. But you didn't but... cancel writing a grant with me. So no, I did you. not. <laughs> I learned how to type pretty effectively with nine fingers for a month there. Oh, God. That's definitely a, that's definitely a hot Yeah, moment. and it completely just a pan, like, you know, I would not have been making a coffee cake or doing any of these. None of this would have been happening without the pandemic. So, anyways, that's my story. 9.75 fingers. <laughs> John, what about you? Anything exciting happened for you? During the pandemic? Um, I mean, we've spent a lot of time at home, so everything, I mean, kind of like Grace's story, all the exciting things are really kind of limited because the, the, the things that I could screw up in, you know, the 2,000 square feet of my house. Um, but we need to get a new water heater. And this is exciting on one level because it's much more energy efficient than 
our water heater that had somehow like last like literally like 20 years um and they normally have a lifespan of like you know eight to ten um so it was real it was it was real bad um but but getting a new one was kind of an adventure because we had first like set our sights on like oh we're gonna get a tankless one because they're really you know they're really energy efficient like you know hot water on demand like you know we don't have obviously we don't have people uh staying with us these days but like whenever we had people over it you know we could run out of hot water this would solve that um so we start like getting you know getting quotes and stuff like that it's like seven thousand dollars i'm like hell no we're gonna go (laughs) uh we're gonna go with you know just you know a standard one it'll be a new model so it'll be more efficient but a normal water heater with a tank um but the process uh of doing that while our water heater was had like a slow leak in it um the bottom had, you know, rusted out because it it was so old. Um, meant that like I had to invent a process for being able to take a hot shower that involved me running downstairs into like you know my workroom where the hot water heater is, rigging up a shop vac so that it would be so that the hose would be right where the like water was coming out of the hot water heater, turning the water that had been turned off to the hot water heater. So now there's like, you know, water pressure and stuff like that, running back upstairs, showering, and then like doing it quickly so that, cause eventually the rate of, you know, water leaving the tank exceeds the rate at which it's being vacuumed up by the shop vac uh and you know running back downstairs shutting everything off um yeah it was great fun so that is certainly a creative solution no doubt how i mean if it works (laughs) i have a question how did the other members of your household feel about it uh well hopefully you didn't hear my my wife just shout no, it wasn't fun. <laughs> we were well, very so, thankful to have, so it's to have all the fixed now. It's all fixed now. It's been fixed for a few months. The hot water heater is working great. Yeah. Oh, well, that's good. But that that was my best pandemic adventure. <laughs> What's so... <laughs> up? Obviously, a lot has changed, right, for everybody. Yeah. Um, Grace, you you let off kind of like with the, the spoiler there. Where are uh, where are you at? Yeah, now? so I am now at the University of Wisconsin Madison. I started on January first, so r- right before the pandemic hit, um, I interviewed for a position um, at here at UW and was uh, grateful enough and awesome enough to like thankful that I got it. So it's so awesome. And, um, 
Yeah, so ended up uh, being able to take a little bit more time at Iowa State to finish things up, and now I'm transitioning over, to have transitioned over, and um, I'm at the Center for Limnology, which is a research center at University of Wisconsin and part of the Department of Integrative Biology, um, and so it's uh, great to be working with folks there. There's an LTER site, uh, so it'll be, it's nice to be back near LTER-like things. Uh, <laughs> miss that from the UVA days, and being able to participate in that as well, and just around a lot of other limnologists and aquatic folks so yeah definitely a you know bittersweet sort of thing but exciting and sort of also a, a change in my research and what I'm doing so a big part of my job at Iowa was focused on doing water quality monitoring um, and now I get to focus a lot more on the science we can do with those monitoring data as opposed to the data collection itself so yeah, that's kind of exciting, although it's kind of blowing my mind that I'm not trying to plan for a, another big 20-person field season every year and what to do with all my extra time. So, it's blowing my mind. Coming from the only work on your finger One of the back. only positions that moving to a professor at Wisconsin that you're like, yeah, I'm going to with all the free time right? I have now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm doing that thing that PIs do when they move institutions when they're more senior, right, and they downsize their labs. I guess I'm just doing it nice. four years in instead of 40 years in. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. Oh, well, I, think you, I think you supervised more undergrads in like four years than some faculty advise in their entire career. Yeah. So, Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it was a lot and it, just really cool experiences, but I'm excited for a new challenge. John, where are you at these days? I mean, physically, <laughs> still in Charlottesville. Um, yeah, I mean, kind of at the same time, uh, Grace was figuring out changing institutions and switching gears in her research. I've been figuring out you know, how to keep doing the science that I want to do uh, while I don't have a, a traditional appointment and... Um, so that's kind of been been my big project. Um, I wrote about that process and you know some of my some of the conclusions that I came to um, in a blog post that uh, got a decent amount. I mean, for me, it got a lot of tw Twitter likes. I don't know what the hell people do that are actually popular on Twitter. Um, you know, I don't know how they handle all the notifications and stuff, but like. I don't know. I think mine got like a solid 85 likes or something like that. And like maybe like 14 retweets and that's, that's as good as I get. So we wanted to, you know, kind of bring you back since it's been a while, I think kind of a short, I don't know how we were going to talk about framing this episode, kind of like a reintroduction, right? Rebranding was it? Revise and resubmit. Um, but yeah, revise and resubmit. Uh, so I think like, you guys both have a couple of really fascinating issues, I think, with both of, like, kind of your transitions. Maybe we want to explore that first, talk about that a little bit, some of the stuff that's come up with that, and then um, we can talk about future stuff at the end. Yeah, that sounds good. All right, so, Grace, changing universities. This is probably a deep well that we'll be able to dig into for a couple of years yeah. from this. Um uh immediately what was like the biggest 
couple of issues that arose. Yes. At what, at what point specifically? Um, either in the entire process, right? So from like, you know, you said you interviewed in January and you started officially, I guess, January. So you had like that entire year. Yeah. Well, and even I think a little bit more prior to that was um, figuring out how I wanted to be um, the most respectful and upfront with my group about this potential transition, um, as well as not having to cause undue anxiety and stress. And so I'd say one of the things I was thinking a lot about was, um, you know, when you apply to grad school or when you're applying for a postdoc or a faculty position, there's have been, and there's just more and more really fantastic resources. You can Google your question out, you know, and, and find blog posts and maybe some podcast episodes and, you know, things like that, that, that can maybe help address your question, which is fantastic. Um, it turns out when you Google questions, like how do you transition universities when you're on the tenure track and in the middle of that period, like people haven't written blog posts about that. Um, <laughs> and so, <laughs> <laughs> You're in a rarefied air. Well, and I think it's also something that we just don't talk a lot about because there's sometimes circumstances, whether good or bad, that are perhaps surrounding someone's transition. And so, um, yeah, so I think that was definitely one of the challenges was navigating that and wanting to be as um, upfront and respectful of my students as possible without also putting them in a constant state of limbo, which we all know is stressful. Um, And and so that's something we could talk about at some point. And um, uh, then I think the other part of that was um, also, you know, part part of my transition decision was also in relation to my sp- spouse and his future and what he had available. And, and so continuing to work on solving that two body problem, which I think we have a solution, although every institution is in major financial budget crisis right now. So, you know, if there's anything in academia that's permanent, it's the impermanence um, and tenured professors. Um Oh, I'm not at Kansas anymore. I, anyways, oh, <laughs> academia. Whoo, what's going on there? <laughs> and so, yeah, and, and so I think that was certainly part of it. And then the other part was just figuring out how to transition stuff. Um, I don't think, you know, I'm not sure my experience is particularly typical because we're in the middle of a pandemic, but like I still don't have my grants here and I still don't have any of my stuff. It's sitting in a pile at Iowa State because they haven't processed the paperwork and just thinking, figuring out all those logistics when there's not really a roadmap for doing it um, was interesting. But so, are you teaching? You're not teaching this semester. I right? am not. No. When do you start teaching? I'll start teaching next fall. So, what is your? How does your course load change? Or did it? Yeah. So it, it really didn't. Um, it's pretty much the same as it was before. Um, so, but I think that, you know, that was also, uh, an interesting, um, negotiating for a second time around at this career stage, as well as just starting, um, at this point, you know, I was talking to some of the other faculty that have started around the same time because Wisconsin went on this big hiring spree, particularly in the department, um, right before the pandemic hit. So there's like six or seven of us that are starting in this next year or so. Um, and just sort of remembering like, oh gosh, yeah, those are all the things that I had no idea what was going on when I first started as a, a faculty member as well. And, and so I, I think the transition's been a little bit easier, um, per- particularly because I have just fantastic colleagues here. I had fantastic colleagues at Iowa as well, but, um, you know, it's just been really great 
and I have a, like knew them beforehand, I couldn't imagine starting a new position during a pandemic um, where you don't know anyone. And I feel for all folks that have done that at every career stage. That's just a lot. It's really hard to get to know people over Zoom. I, I worked an entire semester at a university that I've never been at, remote teaching. Um, still never even visited it. Oh um, it's located in the region, but I just never... It was just weird, like incredibly strange. It was great. It was enjoyable. Time great time. Great students, but never, never been there. Ever stepped foot on the campus? <laughs> the internship. Yep, never been there. Oh, that's wild. That's that is wild. That is crazy. They were like, you know, it's remote teaching, and then like budget, and that's why I'm not there this semester because the budget's just yeah. whatever. So scrounge to put things together. But how did you um? So when do you do you have a time frame when everything comes? over from no but also at the same time who cares because well the grants the money we care about those uh because i want to get things started and going here um yeah money please um but the you know like the stuff like what's it gonna do just go and sit in an empty space or an empty office right because we're not in there so that that's actually been a big transition the rules at iowa state related to the pandemic and coming to campus and interaction are extremely different than here at wisconsin um so, like, I've been into the physical building that I will work in once. <laughs> um, and I have an interesting issue right now in that, um, the, so that the, like, ID card that everybody gets is called a whisk card here. And um, you have to physically go in to get your picture taken to have that happen. But in order to do that, I have to have a negative COVID test that's been taken on campus. But to get a negative COVID test, I need a WIS card. But to, yeah, so I'm in a real <laughs> pandemic catch 22 right now. <laughs> that means that I might just never go to my building ever. <laughs> and that's fine. <laughs> but... <laughs> so oh, man. I, I hope one day this ends eventually it's hard to remember what life was like before at this point yeah so no kidding so yeah it's it's i think it's because it's happening right now it'll be interesting to see as it evolves but i would definitely be interested in deep diving into an episode about just sort of like what how do we make decisions about career transitions in general and what does that look like and pros and cons and hear from other folks so 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 john do you want to give a little bit do you have any more to add on the deets of your transition like how that's been yeah i mean it's a sort of a different kind of career transition than the one that grace is making um and just to kind of sum it up really quickly um you kind of come into the realization that the the position that i was in within academia really wasn't working for me um i you know, didn't have the opportunities that I wanted to, to do the research that I wanted to and be rewarded for that in the way that I wanted to be rewarded for it. Um, and so, you know, what, what me trying to figure out how to keep doing the science I want, um, without, you know, a a traditional appointment, um, you know, without a, you know, faculty position or, um, you know, some other, you know, government, uh, or other kind of position that is science driven is to kind of start doing more stuff for myself and, you know, 
uh, trying to create some of those um, organizations and institutions that would allow me to do that. Um, so I have a, a small business um, called Athena's Research. Uh, I also have a um, nonprofit that I'm a co-founder of, uh, and I can... I think I can say what it is because it actually physically exists now. Um, uh, <laughs> we, we don't have, you know, uh, we haven't gotten all through the process with the IRS to get um, 501c3, but um, we exist on paper in the state of Virginia and we're called uh, the Environmental Research Alliance. Um, and so this is going to be um, an avenue for me to um, do more you know, sort of grant funded, um, research and, and hopefully build up this organization. Um, if not, if not in scale, but, you know, in a model, um, in some ways of some organizations, um, like the Cary Institute and, uh, and Woods Hole that, um, have become, you know, successful, uh, you know, research institutes, um, that are, you know, apart from traditional academia. Very cool. Very serious question. Environmental Research Alliance. Are you going to go by ERA or ERA? I would say ERA. I think that's a wise choice. But if you went by ERA, you could come up with a really dope baseball related. Consider your audience. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I... I like ERA better. Um, my 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 co-founder has said ERA, um, but I think they're a very smart person. <laughs> well, naturally, they're another scientist. <laughs> I'm gonna call it ERA, <laughs> just to be just to be obstinate. <laughs> So, major revisions. What are we thinking? Since it's been several months. We actually have at least two recorded podcasts that will probably never see the light of day that we did at least record early on that I never got around to submitting. So that was totally my fault. But they're the lost episodes. And I can only assure you, they're amazing. Oh, indeed. And when the Smithsonian requests all of the original recordings... That's when they'll be released to the public. Um, we do we do the B sides, you know, like we keep recording out podcasts, like come out after we after I die, you know, just like the uh, like Tupac and Juice World or whatever, like they keep albums years after they've passed away. Yeah. So. Exactly. We're gonna start rumors about how we're still alive in Cuba, and <laughs> it's gonna be great. But so, so what are we thinking moving forward since we're the gang's all yeah. together. Well, I think one of the things when we initiated this podcast back in, oh gosh, guys, 2016, um, when we did that, we were at a different point in our careers and what we were doing and coming at it from that perspective. We had just recently finished graduate school, moving on from that, you know, figuring out this, what is being an ecologist as a job and not as a student thing, um, and, and grew with that. And so I, I would submit that we should think about what we're, where we're at now and, and reflecting that. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, Grace, you you talked about um, feeling like there wasn't a roadmap for where you were in your career. Um, and I, I, I kind of see that too, um, in what I'm doing. Um, you know, I, I'm starting to get to know more people who are doing similar things to me. Um, but up until quite recently, like, I didn't really know that this was, a. I mean, <laughs> we'll see how viable it is, but, um, you know, I, I didn't know that this was like a real thing that people did, um, to kind of be, uh, you know, be a, an independent scientist or sort of like an alt, alt-ac scientist. Um, although alt-ac has its own, like, connotation too. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I'd love to kind of talk about that. I'd love to talk about the, you know, the things that we're, we're doing um, in our careers that, you know, reflect the stage that we're at. Um, but, you know, we also had a lot of material that was about, you know, our science um, and the science of ecology and, you know, broader issues confronting science and academia um, that I think, you know, should should stay part of the mix, too. Absolutely. And I think, you know, everything in this world is changing. Oh, gosh, that's like the biggest truism. Of course it is. Everything's changing. Obviously, the pace at which it is. <laughs> I'm attempting to find a way to say unprecedented um, without saying unprecedented. <laughs> because that itself it's is unprecedented. unprecedented how many times I heard unprecedented right? last year. Um, so. uh, and I think that's an opportunity as well. I think think for us in thinking about what the face of ecology looks like and what it should also, what it should look like and what it should grow towards and uh, centering some conversations around that as well. I like yeah. it. So we're looking at kind of keeping focus on the career stuff, keep moving some more on the science, and um, you know, thinking the future and having more conversations. I think the biggest thing that's come out of our offline conversations, not offline, off-show conversations, is committing to a schedule. Yeah. That's, gr- that's grown-up AF right there. <laughs> so what were we thinking? We're thinking every... Um, it's a... Uh, yeah. Like every three weeks or once a month. I can't remember what we said. So clearly the schedule hasn't been largely committed. <laughs> <laughs> it's The schedule exists in theory. Yeah. Now I think it's like we're talking about like, trying to do you know, a minimum of one episode yeah. a month, right? Absolutely. It's trying to, trying to record last week of the month post, you know, whatever the first of the month is. So I'll have to get on to that and i think we'll throw in some other stuff too and i think we actually you know talking about i hope you know this comes will come to fruition is um you know expanding the website a little bit and actually putting you know some writing on there that that resembles blogs if blogs are still a thing i don't know what we call them these days um kids and their fancy internet machines but um yeah major revisions tiktok um Are you guys on TikTok? I mean, I know that I'm like no, fuck no. I don't I'm, know. I know that I'm five years behind when it comes to social media. Like, I just mm-hmm. got Twitter. Like, I don't know what was it like two years ago, a year and a half ago. Yeah, pretty recently. Yeah, yeah. Grace, are you well, you're on well, TikTok? Aren't so you? here's how that went. Um, <laughs> so I got TikTok. And and started the, the algorithm is quick. Boy, does it figure out because it figured out that I liked 
um, like houseplants and then um, home renovation. In fact, I found an entire section of TikTok that was like, um, it was queer bus flipping, like school bus flipping TikTok, which is a whole section and is amazing. You should go check it out. Um, and I got a little addicted. And so anyways, one day in October, I uh, dropped Robert off at the uh, lab because he had to do a full day of, of um, assays. And so I, I knew he was going to be doing that. And I came home and I was kind of tired. I said, I'm going to lay down on the couch. I'm just going to flip through my phone. I'm going to watch a couple of TikToks and then I'll go about my day. And then six hours later, Robert called me to have me come and pick him up and I hadn't moved. And so that night I got rid of TikTok and I have not gone back because it is so addicting to me. <laughs> I don't know how y'all do it, but like, <laughs> no, it took up way too much. Like, it just lived in my head. It was amazing. So, I mean, like, be aware. Yeah, no, I've I've become a hermit, so I don't think it will be an issue. My goal is to not be a hermit, maybe. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't think you're going to see a major revisions TikTok out of that. We could do a YouTube channel. That would be funny. I don't know what the hell we would put on it, though. So, yeah. It's... I'm not that photogenic. I don't I don't want to record us talking. Oh, whatever. Both of y'all are photogenic. <laughs> if you guys don't know what John looks like in real life, um, he looks like the, uh, the bearded version of um, Chris Evans from Oh, Endgame, that's accurate. Or Infinity yeah. War. So, yeah, so whatever I've said, in a rewatch of that, that's um, how I refer to Captain America. Like, oh, it's John Walters back. So. Oh, my goodness. That's, uh, that's not a bad thing. Well, I mean, Hemsworth's the better looking Chris, but like that's not like a slant against you, you know, John. That's just, Hemsworth's a good looking dude. Factual. Chris, not, not Liam. Liam. Liam's fine. You know, he was married to Miley Cyrus, and I can't count that towards his credit. Ugh. Did not know that. There. Cool. So you know we have a plan. That's exciting. we do, and and fortunately, um, uh, one thing about everybody being on Zoom these days is more people are probably more likely to say yes when we ask them. Hopefully, if their schedules allow. Uh, to Zoom with us and talk about science for an episode. That was so foreign a couple years ago when we kept asking people. So, right? I Okay, so I want to I wanna, um, wanna close with this, because like I said, we're going to try to put out episodes, you know, we're going to put out episodes every month, committing to that, committing to that, and then we'll try to put in some stuff. If we can get some stuff in between, like interstitial stuff, that would be great too, you know, if we get bonus episodes or whatnot. But I want to I wanna close with um, this final question for you, because I think Grace, you make a good point. You know, science and and in particular has been radically changed by the pandemic. Um, You know, I think it it, it may be naive to think that it will be so permanently. But what changes do you hope stick around from the last year? Mm. I do mind. I, I actually... I don't mind the virtual conference. Um, he, I, you know, I didn't really, I've been registered for more than I actually attended. I should say that, but I don't, you know, like the ones that I actually did engage in, 
like um particularly like the small workshops it's actually the larger conferences like agu or esa or whatever i did not like i did not have like those go those didn't, didn't do anything for me i didn't Mm-mm. i flubbed my agu seminar crazily bad but like a couple of small workshops that i did you know like one day things um those went awesome and i think that some of those like smaller virtual you know workshops or even like virtual seminars that you're seeing now that people are giving seminars and you can actually log into i kind of like that and i think there's a space for that and i hope that those stick around to some degree i'm not saying every workshop should be that way but you know i think that you know, we can do these kind of small things that maybe it's like a one day thing that there's not reason to fly 80 people out to some random place that we can save money and we can still get a pretty good thing out of that. And so I kind of, that's one thing that I hope stays around in some way, some shape or form. Yeah. How about you, John? Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, and, and related, I think the, the location flexibility that people have been, um, you know, that's become a part of our, our field. Um, I think that's great. Like, you know, I mean, part of the reason I'm doing what I'm doing is because I'm, you know, tied for personal reasons to a particular place. Um, and so having the technology that enables remote work and remote collaboration, um, as well as just like the, you know, cultural willingness of more scientists to engage in that. Um, I think it's really, it has the potential to be really great for people's quality of life and, um, you know, opening up new ways to be part of the enterprise of science. And um, hopefully that also, you know, I feel stupid talking about like, that diversifying science as a white man. Um, but because I'm not in, like, I'm a terrible example of that principle, but like, I, I do think that greater location flexibility has the potential to make it so that more different people with more different backgrounds, uh, can be a part of science. For sure. Yeah, I, I agree with what you both have said. And I think what I would add is um the uh, one thing i hope sticks around is people's evaluation and um institutions evaluation of boundaries i think that kind of is both sides some folks and some institutions have done a really terrible job of that have done a really abusive job at it right and have really taken advantage of people in really bad ways and some people are in really bad positions and oh crap right um and for some of us, like myself, it's been a real evolution in figuring out where my boundaries are and what I'm willing to do. Um, and for others, they already had that figured out. Uh, <laughs> that's the dream. Uh, there's the model. Uh, but I, I think it started some conversations <laughs> that I would hope for the places where it's going well and people are happy with how those conversations are going in, in terms of, you know, like, I'm not just a scientist or I'm not just an academic. I am a human. I'm a parent. I'm a family member. I have other things that need to happen. And by the way, just as a human, 
a big chunk of my brain space and my fight or flight and hyper reactivity is being eaten up right now by the fact that we're under constant threat from this pandemic, right? Like the other things are happening. And so that space for a little bit of grace for the places that it's going well, I hope that continues. And for the places where it's going really, really crappy, I hope that some of these new models and other places that are going well can be used so that folks can fight for them and we can support folks in their fight for better balance and boundary. I don't know. That's that's one thing I hope sticks around. Yeah, that's an awesome point. Oh, yeah. It's going to be something. Yeah. But so along those lines, we had some balance and boundary and needing to take a break, but I'm glad that we've all decided that this is something we want to get back to and yay for schedules. (laughs) We have a schedule. If we commit to making the major revision stickers, I'll be pumped. (laughs) Figure that out. So we still need an owl one for 2020. What should the 2021 one be? <laughs> should it be an animal every year? I guess it doesn't have to be. I mean, I like animals. We can make it an animal every year. Fine. What about a giraffe? I like giraffes. I love giraffes. I know Grace loves giraffes. <laughs> I'm cool with giraffes. I'm indifferent on giraffes. I'm like, they're fine. They're cool. They seem like an improbable animal, you know, if you think about That's it. That's why they're great. Mm-hmm. Well, think, okay, so, like, if you were, okay, if, if neither one existed, okay, and, but every other animal existed, and I came to you, and I described a unicorn, and I was like, look, it's just a horse, except it has, like, a horn. You would be like, well, that makes sense. Like, cows have horns, right? right? Like, yeah, it's in the middle of the head, which is kind of weird. But, like, rhinoceroses. You'd be like, cool, yeah, that makes sense. But then I've uh, described a giraffe, right? And you had no concept of what a giraffe was. I was like, like, it's like a deer, right? But you took the deer and you stretched it up really high and it has really legs. And then, like, you know how, like, the deer's neck is, like, maybe a foot long or something? No, it's, like, 18 foot long now, right? It's just, like, really, really tall. And then at the top, there's, like, joysticks that you can hold on to. <laughs> Which one of those animals would you think was more realistic if I was describing them and they had not existed in the universe? Right, based on the previous an- the, the, yeah, the animal body plans that currently exist? Sure. Right. Giraffes are incredibly improbable. That's what makes them fantastic. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. No shade to unicorns, but... <laughs> I'm a giraffe truther. Truther. That's what it really is. So. All right, giraffe. Wonderful. I'm there. I'll get on this. <laughs> I'm still thinking. Wants to take us home? I'm still thinking about giraffes. <sighs> Love it. All right. Well, while Grace and John are thinking about giraffes, thank you guys. <laughs> thank you all for tuning in. Remember, you can find us. I hope we're still on there. I believe we're on um, Spotify and iTunes and Stitcher and. It's now called Google Podcasts, actually. So it's been so long since we recorded a po- um, podcast that Google Play no longer exists. Or Google, the Google Play Music Store no longer exists. Um, that's where we are these days. So with that, thank you. And we'll see you again. Like what we long for when we're all alone. Wisconsin water.
Dark as the cold 